Well, we are in a series called Climb, and what we've been talking about is this idea that you can only go so far in your relationship with God alone. It takes a gathering. It takes a group of people. And that group of people can look like this, um, what, what we, we would call the ecclesia, the, the gathering. It's just That's what church means. Um, or it could be your small group. We have uh, 13 small groups that are now up and running, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be kicking off another wave of those later. But uh, it might be in your small group. It might be someone who doesn't even attend this church, but it's a group at work or, or whatever. We, we need each other. And so we call this series Climb reaching new heights together. And what we've been talking about is a bunch of different ways we do that. One is by gathering. Uh, The other thing we do together that we can only do together is what we're going to do this morning in taking communion. And, uh, And then we talked about um, conflict. You know, when you have a group of people, how do you manage conflict in a group that's operating together? And so we've been trying to paint the picture of this idea that you and I, and, and, and again, even if you're new here, we say you can belong before you believe. And so you might just be joining us for the first time. And you might want to just tag along on this journey as we discover who God is and what he wants for our lives. And uh, so we've been talking about the idea that we do this together. Now, this morning, I'm going to talk about one of the most uncomfortable subjects um, you you can imagine. As a matter of fact, some of you are going to be squirming in your seats. Um, Others of you are going to, if there's young children here, you're going to cover their ears up uh, to make sure that they they can't hear what I'm going to say. Some of you might find it offensive and you might uh, send me strongly worded emails to uh, cc at livingspring.com. Others others of you will just shudder. Some of you... uh, You just came back to church after a long period away, and this is the topic I'm going to be talking about. Uh, And here's the other thing. It's not sex. It's worse than that. We're going to talk about your money, (laughs) okay? The love of your life, the cherished, most precious thing you have. You're sitting on it right now. I mean, you are just like, th- this is it. Now, what I'm, what I'm hoping to do, I talk about money twice a year. Um, and the reason I talk about money twice a year, and the reason I'm not ashamed to talk about money, and I make no apologies, is because I think this is one of the key, key, key ways to either grow in your faith in God Or just get stuck in your faith in God. I've been a Christian for a long time. I have uh, implemented what I'm about to tell you for a long period of time. And I've watched people who have not implemented this just be stuck. So my prayer this morning, as we talk about money, as we talk about um, our our precious Benjamins, okay, um, that you will see maybe... A little bit differently. You might see your spending a little bit differently. You might see your giving a little bit differently. And uh, hopefully at the end of the day this morning, uh, you'll see at least the theological underpinnings of what your heavenly father wants for you as it relates to your cash. Okay. Um, so if, if, if you like invited, you've been inviting someone like for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then you're like, no, 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 it's really okay. It's really okay. No, they just always talk about money over. No, 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 not at our church. It's only twice a year. And guess what? You just landed on that year. The good news is the good news is once we get this over with, we got a whole nother six months. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll try to, 
we'll try to get through it as quickly and as painlessly as possible. And uh, if you want to write me letters after that, uh, actually, it's john at livingspring.com, and I'd be one, love this topic. It's one of my favorites. When I do premarital counseling, we talk about three things. Uh, we talk about communication, sex, and money. Because those particular things, and by sex, I just mean healthy boundaries within the marriage and all this protecting your marriage and all that kind of stuff. Because in my experience, in being a pastor, those are the three things that cause a lot of stress and a lot of confusion in a marriage. And so my goal, if you're, we're dealing with a young couple, is to get them started with the, the, the theological processes of getting through those three tip, uh, topics so that their marriage will be healthy and will go on for as long as they both shall live. Um, but here's, here's what I want us to see. First and foremost, and we've said this before uh, in church, and so this is going to be a familiar thing to you. The theological underpinnings of giving is this, that we were created for stewardship, not kingship. If you don't remember anything else, okay, I'll have another saying later on, you can forget that one if, as long as you get this one. We are created for stewardship, not kingship. Everything in our culture right now is telling you it's kingship. You have certain rights. You have certain uh, things that you deserve. You have certain stuff that you need. You need a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, we need so much stuff that will accumulate so much stuff. We need a bigger house to keep that stuff in. And that house has another house attached right to it just for our stuff. It's called a garage. And what we do is we fill up that stuff house with stuff. And then we complain about how we don't have enough room for our stuff. So we buy stuff to hold our stuff in the stuff house or the garage. And then some of us have so much stuff, we actually have a, a unit, a storage unit off campus of our stuff house that we pay monthly because we just someday might need that stuff. And so we are just stuffed, okay? And that's our culture. Our culture says you deserve that stuff. And that when your stuff gets old, you deserve new stuff. And when your stuff gets out of date, it's a, it's a, a travesty because we love stuff. Here's the problem. We were never created to own a bunch of stuff. Well, from the very beginning, and for those of you who are going through your rooted groups, in the last two weeks when we started out, kicked off our first week, we talked about this. Why were you created? And we saw that God created all these things, and it was good, and he created man, and it was very good. And he had man there for one reason, and it was to take care of God's stuff. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. The Bible has the audacity, and I, I, we'll have to see if we can get this changed. Um, that the earth is his and everything in it. Everything. So my precious iPhone that I cherish and I try not to drop and I treat it like a newborn baby that I just hold and I just make sure it's okay. It's his. My shirt that I bought from Costco <laughs> is his. The house that I think I own, I do not. It's his. We are created for stewardship. It's all his. 
Every dollar you have in your bank account, every stitch of clothing you're wearing right now, everything you own, your car, the car you're going to own, is his. And we were created to be stewards of his stuff. Now, here's the key, or one of the keys. The, The problem is, when we step into kingship, it goes bad for us. We get enslaved. We get entrapped. We get stuck. When we step out of stewardship and we go to control and amass and manipulate and try to keep everything to ourselves and we get our stuff and we look at other people's stuff and we want their stuff and and as we continue to do that, we step into slavery. In fact, we do not own our stuff, but our stuff owns us. And God, your heavenly father who created you for stewardship, does not want you to live in that world. Because it doesn't help you at all. So um, the language of stewardship is all through the Bible. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons, just to let pastors off the hook, if you decide to leave here screaming um, and uh, you want to end up at another church and that pastor's talking about money, the, the reason is, just to give you a little inside scoop, is that the Bible talks about money more than any other topic and Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. So even when you talk about prayer, which I think is really important, the Bible talks more about money than prayer. Forgiveness, super important thing. Bible talks more about money than forgiveness. So if it keeps coming up, it's because the Bible keeps bringing it up because the Bible wants you to have a healthy mindset about money. Here's what Jesus said. Um, He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. This means that God is entrusting us with things. One of the most famous parables in the Bible, uh, Jesus is talking about this king that goes away and he entrusts some money to different workers. We call, they call them talents. They're just units of measure, okay? And so he entrusts one with, you know, five and one with ten and one with one and all this. And, and he wants to see how they're going to be stewards of that money. And he, he blesses those who were able to be good stewards because under, understanding that we were created to be stewards, uh, to stewardship, not kingship. And so he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And then the opposite's true. Who's ever dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And so Jesus, throughout his teaching and throughout his life, is trying to keep us with this understanding that our stuff is not our stuff, is that we are given a certain amount of money, of time, of relationships, and God wants us to take care of those things. When God created the Garden of Eden, whose garden was it? It's God's. He didn't have to create man to take care of it. He could have figured, I think God could have figured out how to name all the animals. I don't think he needed Adam. And probably, Adam probably did a terrible job anyway. God's like, really, cat? Like, that's all you could come up with? And so, so God was probably a little frustrated anyway. You know, like, this is a dumb idea, right? And, and, and he could have like, this is all about But that's not what he did. He knows that, listen to this, this is, this is important. In the process of stewardship, you will grow close to God. In the process of stewardship, you have the potential to grow close with God. 
Jesus one time was uh, sitting at the temple, and um, the Bible says he was sitting across from where they put the money into the treasury. And, I don't, you know, he had his binoculars, and he's looking at, you know, I don't know how he was doing it or if he was real close to them, and people are like, get out of here. I'm trying to get my money. But it says he was just standing right across, and he's just watching. Here's, here's what it says in, in Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where uh, the offerings were being put in, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, how would you know that many rich people were throwing in large amounts? Because in that day, they would make sure you knew they were throwing in large amounts, okay? It's kind of like the similar what we do now when we name a building after somebody. It's like, oh, it's not because they were a really nice person. They gave a lot of money, and that's why their building is named after them. In this particular time, they would blow trumpets, some of them. Okay, right. Can you imagine? Which is, I I just was so enamored by this. This is what we're going to start doing at the end of the service. (laughs) We're going to take an offering, and and if you have a certain amount, and it's over that, we're going to blow a certain trumpet, and then you get to stand up. Okay, of course we're not doing that, right? But this is what was happening. And so Jesus watches this, and they go through all their things, the way they kind of show, oh, look how much money I'm giving. You got to catch what Jesus catches. But a poor widow came... And put uh, in two very small copper coins, uh, worth only a few cents. Now watch what Jesus does. He calls his disciples to him. It's like he's seen something incredible. He's like, oh my goodness, Peter, come over here. Come here, you know, Matthew, stop talking to that girl. Come on, come come over here. You've got to see this. Now, Now, just wrap your head around this a little bit, okay? And again, not just to push on you just a little bit. Imagine if Jesus is watching how you take care of your money. Imagine if he's watching you spending, if going into debt, if watches you um, wanting those things really badly. Imagine if he, he's watching you just interact with money. And, it, and he says, you do not have to be enslaved anymore. And so he sees this woman, he calls the disciples to him, and he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the other others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Do you know what she was doing when she did that? She was worshiping God. It wasn't that she gave everything. Okay, it was that she had to, the only way she was going to get that money back was to have God provide for her. Now, here's the thing I want you to leave with. The tithe, which which is just a word that just means tenth, was instituted for the very same purpose. That in that process of giving to God, taking a risk, In other words, he gives you 100% of what you have to be a steward of. And he says, I just need that first 10 back. To see, are we stewards or are we kings? When we get the 100%, do we say, it's all mine now. Thank you. Pleasure doing business with you, right? Or do we go, no, this first 10, the first 10%, that first check is the most important check I'll write all month. Now, 
And that, that, that's, that's where Jesus' mindset is. Because what will happen is we will begin to trust that 10% to fill in the gaps where we feel trapped or enslaved instead of going to our Heavenly Father. And so that's why when people talk about money in the church, well, I mean, I'm sure there are some churches that do it for, to get a Rolls Royce. Uh, but, but that's why people who care about you, who, who've been around and have seen how others have managed money and how others have incorporated the tithe and seen the fruit and the, and the freedom that comes with that, that's why, especially here, we're so open about talking about that. And so he says she lived, uh, 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 she gave everything she had to live on. That is a heart issue. She trusts her heavenly father to come up with the difference. She trusts her heavenly father. And here's the thing. The fact that it was a widow uh, for you and I might not seem like a big deal. But in that culture, there was no one who was going to take care of her. She's a widow. She's on her own. And so this was a very big deal for them that she would go ahead and do that. Now, what Jesus is trying to get us connected to as he calls those disciples in. What he's trying to say is what he says very, very clearly in the next section of scripture I'm going to read to you. It's out of Matthew. And Jesus paints the picture of what will happen if you allow your stuff to become your God. If you allow your bank account to have too much control. If you want to hoard and build and create and just kind of keep it to yourself, what will actually happen to you? It's in Matthew Chapter, 12, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 19. He paints these two pictures. These two competing goals. You might not even have known it, but even when you walked in, and even if you don't believe in God, you have got two competing powers at work in your life. One is your flesh, aided by Satan and him working his stuff out. And the other is the spirit of God wooing you into deeper relationship with him. These are the two tensions you're going to manage. And I've been managing or attempting to manage for my entire life. Is my flesh, my desires, what I want for myself and all that. And what God would, would have me do. And so Jesus talks about this. He says this. Do not store up for yourselves stuff. On earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't do that. Don't let the whole sum of our lives be the stuff we have. Now, is he saying you can't have stuff? Of course not. That's not what he's saying. He's, it, we just sang every good and perfect gift comes from you. That is an iPhone. Uh, is, that's a good <laughs> and perfect gift. Okay. Android, that's the other tension that we're managing with the enemy who <laughs> kills and steals and destroys. No, I'm, I'm playing around. Okay. Uh, but you get the idea. What, what, what he's trying to say is, look, you're going to have these things. Don't, don't find your identity and your value in your bank account, in your money, in what you drive, and in what you wear, and all that kind of stuff. Don't do that. It's fleeting. I had a friend one time, they were, they were pastors, and um, they put post. <laughs> you can do this at home if you want. I won't, but because uh, I'm a little OCD. But uh, they put post-it notes on every big-ticket item in their house. So the fridge, um, the TV, um, in the garage. You know, like the Harley. You know, right? Like that. And the note. Every note said the same thing. It's all gonna burn. 
That's what they said, okay? And, um, and I thought because they were going to, like, do arson to try to get the insurance money, but... Uh, <laughs> It was just a reminder that this stuff really does not have any value. You can wax on, wax off. You can keep it clean. You can vacuum it. You can do all that kind of stuff. It doesn't really have any value. And so Jesus is saying this. Jesus knows this, okay? And it's, it's like he knows something the disciples don't know, and he's trying to get this across to him. He says, but store up treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says this, it, this sums up the whole stewardship and kingship language. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is very difficult to have your heart close to God when you keep all your money. It's very difficult to do that because your treasure is there, because your stuff is there, that's where your heart's going to be. And the lie that we begin to believe is that the more I can keep, the happier I'll be. And in fact, Jesus is saying just the opposite. When you begin to release those dollars into the kingdom of God, your heart begins to be released into the kingdom of God. Of God as well. And I know for some of you, this is a hard thing to believe because to believe it means you're risking real dollars, okay? But I'm here to tell you that the Bible is true in this respect. That some of us, even within the sound of my, your, my voice and, I, and those watching online, and I don't know what anybody gives here, I don't really care, um, are stuck because you won't release your dollars into the kingdom. And now some of you are saying, oh boy, here it goes. He's just doing this, uh, you know, to try and get, get more cash for the church and all that. If, if you believe that, find another church where you don't think that's happening because that's really important. You want to be in a place where you feel like when you release those kingdom dollars, you're giving them to God and that God is going to do kingdom work with it. So um, don't miss out on this because you don't trust an institution. It has nothing to do with that. Don't miss out, don't miss out on, on being, getting closer to God through the act of giving, through the act of releasing. By allowing your treasure to minister to some things that are really, really important for the kingdom of God. He says, where your treasure is, where your heart is also. And then he goes into really combative language. He, he hits it really strongly. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. That there is a very real tension, especially in America, where we are, we are taught from a very young age to consume. We're taught from a very young age uh, for, about materialism. We're taught at a very young age to worry about money. We watched our parents worry about money, and it was handed off to us, and we worry about money. And this is not what, this is competing gods. Money is a competing God to Yahweh. So much so that Jesus calls it the number one competition with your heavenly father. Here's what he says. You cannot serve God and money. You can't do it. You say, well, how, how, am I, how am I serving money? Well, we serve money by believing the lie of money. The lie of money is this. And you, you've probably done this. I did it just this week. I was listening to the radio. And, uh, 
And um, there was a commercial for the, the lottery, okay? And it was at $144 million, right? And so I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what would I do with $144 million, you know? And, and so I'm just driving down the street. I'm like, well, first I'd tithe off of it. Did you hear that? $144 million, okay? $14.4 million right back into your kingdom. So let's go. Scratch your, you know, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, I got a $14 million of that. I didn't get that. Oh, man, I could do this for the church, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a lie. It's a curse. $144 million is a curse. You will be cursed with it. Now you're thinking, I won't. <laughs> Maybe you, Pastor, whatever your name is, but not me. Because I'm going to put my nieces and nephews through college. I'm going to buy my mom a house. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to use it for good. Maybe. It's a curse. Money will have you believe that. Money, here's what money has you believe. This is how bad a God money is. Money says, hey, God gave you 100% of what you have. So take that. But you know what? He doesn't love you. He doesn't love you because that 100% doesn't get you everything you really want. But that's okay. I've got a helper. It's called the credit card, okay? Tarjeta de crédito, okay? It's, it's going to help you get to fill in the cracks where God couldn't provide enough. And you can, the cool thing about it is you don't have to pay it all at once. You can pay it over time. And it's, it'll be great. The money, the God of money says, uh, that car, I mean, it's fine, but you need something more reliable, okay? So you need to go out and sign a lease and get massive, because God, the 100% God gave you is not enough. That's what God, the God of money does. You can't serve both God and money at the same time. You're going to end up resenting one or the other. Here's, here's a, a, a thing I just wrote down um, earlier this week. Giving is not God's way of raising money. It's his way of raising his children. The reason God incorporates the tithe is not because God needed some extra cash just in case there's a rainy day. <laughs> He, he, didn't, he didn't incorporate the tithe because, um, uh, you know, th- there's going to be some pastor with a toupee driving a Maserati that really needs that car and God's blessing him, you know. It, 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 he incorporated the tithe because, in the back, and this goes back thousands of years, the action of taking 10% of your crops, 10% of your cattle, 10% of what you own to give it to the kingdom was a incredible act of worship, especially in an agrarian society where they didn't know if they were going to need that later. What if next year there isn't so much uh, abundance? What if, how, how, do I, how do I plan for that? God's, that the whole institution of the tithe is to say, your next amount is going to come from God. He can be trusted. He never changes. He will take care of you. The same is true, fast forward, thousands of years ahead when you write your first check. I, and, and, and again, I'm just going to talk to the young people right now uh, who are, it, can hear my voice. 
Start this practice as early as you possibly can. You say, I know, but when I babysit, I only make $100 and I have to give 10 of it back. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, 10 bucks, God didn't do it. I'm the one who changed the diaper, by the way. Uh, God didn't miraculously change the diaper. That's the, I'm telling you this. If you start the practice early, it really is not that big a deal. Because you'll always just fix it into whatever your next raise is or whatever your next thing is. And so when you get your first job out of college and you're making $24,000, okay, you know it's really 21.6 or whatever the actual 90% is. You just, you just work it in there and you adjust, this is important, your lifestyle accordingly. It's an act of worship. Living off of 90% of what God has given you is an act of worship and a very important one. God doesn't do it to raise money. He does it to raise us. So why would we miss out on one of the key things that God would do to grow you? Now, again, for some of you, you are brand new to this whole Christianity thing. And you're like, I just came here because I like to hear Ajua sing. And now you've already done the math. You pulled out your phone. You're like, okay, I make $60,000. $6,000. What are they going to do with it anyway? <laughs> right? You know, whatever is going through, through your mind. I, 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 would, I would fight for you to go through that process with your heavenly father, not with me. Go through that. What, 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 would, that, what would that look like? Let me, let me read one other super strong um, section of scripture just to, well, just one more, just to kind of, you're already beat up. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know who won the fight yesterday, but uh, um, if, if this is one last knockout punch. Who, who actually did win the fight? Wow, I didn't see that coming. Okay. Um, I just don't trust people with Irish accents, so I thought for sure he was going to win. They just seemed scrappy to me. That was all free, by the way. Um, so it's in the book of Malachi, and Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and there's 400 years of silence after Malachi. This is kind of God's Old Testament parting letter, okay? And so um, he has some things to say to the people of Israel that are not very nice at all. And here's basically the gist of it. You guys just care about yourselves. All you care about is comfort and stuff. It's shockingly similar to that what they were going through at that time is shockingly similar to what we go, are going through right now. We just are in a great situation being in America. And I realize some of us are worse off than others. I get all that. But God is coming to the people of Israel and going, you've got to get this down, that, that you've got to turn back to me. Now, there was some other stuff that was going on, but they weren't taking care of the poor and, and they weren't taking care of God's house. And so he, there's this one part in chapter three where God says to the people of Israel, return to me, return to me. And then he asks this rhetorical question. But you ask, how do we return? And he asks this question. Will a man rob God? <laughs> That's his question. He says, but you're robbing me by keeping all your stuff. Now that is a harsh, harsh Word And you could say, and, I, and we can have this conversation, you can say, yeah, but John, that's the Old Testament. We're under grace now, so that's, yeah, sure, okay, uh, that, that's fine. But the point he's trying to make is, watch what he says, return. this is how you're going to return to me. 
Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is basically just funding the kingdom. I give you 100, you give me back 10. We fund the kingdom with that, with that 10. And then God says something audacious and something that he actually has said not to do in other parts of Scripture. God goes out on a limb and he says, I want you to bring the full tithe into the storehouse and I want you to test me in this, says the Lord, all God, uh, Lord God Almighty. I want you to test me in this. Now, there are other sections of Scripture where the Lord says, don't, don't test me. I ain't even playing right now. Like that's, that's what, this, he's like, in this issue, because this issue is so important, because this is a trust issue, because this is a heart issue, because you're getting stuck. The nation of Israel is stuck in consumerism. It's stuck in self-promotion. It's missing out on the, on the poor. It's missing out on kingdom things. You want to come back? Start with the tithe. Now, he could have said lots of stuff, idol worship or, you know, all sorts of wacky stuff that was going on during this time. He doesn't. He says, come back. It's, it's the money thing. We're going to start there. And then he says this, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough to store it. Now, again, you can take this and go the opposite way and go into a whole health and prosperity thing that, you know, you, the more you give to God, he'll get you a plane and all this kind of stuff. He's talking about just getting out of bondage. Just, just that, to get rid of that sense of I've got to keep it all because if I don't, then I don't know who's going to take care of me. That is too heavy a lift for us. We were not created for kingship. We were created for stewardship. So you say, well, what do we do? Well, here's, here's I, this has been going on for a few weeks now in my household, and so I'm just introducing it to you. But I was going through this because I knew I'd be talking about this, and I was thinking, what about the person who's just like, look, I want to start somewhere, and 10% right now, the way I've lived my life, is just too harsh a, a, a thing. I, I totally get that. I still believe God will come through, but... I, I get that. But here, here's what Lisa and I are doing in our own life. I just call it the 1% challenge. That whatever you're giving now, um, and Lisa and I, we tithe, and so we're just going to bump it up. And this was so cool. She, Lisa's with the children right now. She'd be embarrassed if she heard me say this, so don't tell her I said this, although it's online, so she can download it anytime. Uh, but I'm like, hey, baby, I've been, I've been feeling like, Man, let's, let's, I don't want to just stick at a thing and just, I want God to meet me in this issue that I'm so passionate about and I'm going to be talking to everybody about. I said, you, you want to, you want to up it one more percent, you know? And then she's just like, okay. And I'm like, wow, you really get this whole thing, don't you? Like, like it was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, do you understand? Cause you might want to pray about it because I'm not actually sure I want to do this yet. And she's like, no, no, if that's what you feel, you know, whatever. God will provide, whatever. That's the freedom I'm talking about. That's the freedom I'm talking about. And so for you, you might be like, hey, I have never given a dime to the church. I, this is scary. I don't even know what do you guys do with it, all this kind of stuff. And you've already done the math. I make $60,000. Oh, man, that's 600 bucks. Like, man, where am I going to come up with that? And so I just am encouraging you to start somewhere. Maybe right now you look at your finances and you're at about 2 or 3%. 
you know, of that 10%. You go, you know what? I'll, I'll go one. I will test him in this. I do not want to be at the end of my life serving money. I want to see what God can do in my life as I take a risk. And so we're, our, we've already done this. We, we've already adjusted our, uh, our, ours just gets taken out of the bank every two weeks. And so we've adjusted that number. And we're going to test him in it and see what, what is he going to do. And he might not do anything. He might just say, you just got rid of cable, big boy. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, if, it, if that's the case, if I, if I just got rid of cable, that's an act of worship for me. He'll, whatever I'm trying to get out of cable, he'll, he'll, he's my God. He loves me. He provides for me. We are going to uh, take communion together. And uh, it's one of the things that we do as a gathering. Uh, we do it once a month. Um, and we're going to do it again like we did last month, where Audra is going to come up. And typically she reads a poem, but this morning we're just going to go right into music. And, um, and so uh, she's going to be playing some music, and the ushers are going to begin to pass out communion. And so what I'd ask you to do is as that begins to happen... I'd, I'd ask you to do a couple things. Number one is fill out your connection card. Um, that's our way to stay connected. If you have a prayer request or something you're going through, we would love to know about that. Um, uh, the other thing is for some people who don't uh, have auto, auto pay or whatever or pay online or whatever, this is the time you prepare your offering. Uh, we don't pass a bag or anything, but this is the time you do that. And you do that worshipfully. That's why we don't pass a bag. We don't want anything getting in the way of you as you write your check or get your cash or whatever. Go, God, I am giving back to you what is already yours. And I trust you for my next installment. Okay? And that's the whole, the whole process. Um, and then uh, the other thing I'd ask you to do is seek the Lord in something like this. Seek the Lord. Ask him. Say, hey, are, are, we, are we on the right track? Should I do this 1% challenge? Should I do something different? So let me pray for us, and then they'll begin to pass out the, uh, the um, juice and the cracker. And just hang on to that, and I'll come back up, and we'll all take it together. Lord Jesus, it's a, it's a tough uh, topic um, for a lot of us, Lord God, we haven't really even been amassing stuff. We're just trying to get by. And so, um, Lord Jesus, for those who are just in that particular season of life, I just pray that they would know that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider. You are the one who takes care of us. Lord, for those who have been blessed um, in so many ways, Lord, may we never... Um, think it was our own skill or our own. Yes, we might have worked hard or whatever, but Lord, you are the God. You are the God who provides. You are the one who asks us to be stewards, not kings. And so, Lord, I just pray for us as we go before you and we um, get the cracker and the juice before we take, um, we're connected again with your death. Lord, I just pray you'd give us the courage uh, to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.